Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. I hope that you're having a wonderful day. We are here in day number 88 of our three-year journey through the Bible, one chapter at a time. And this brings us to Exodus chapter 7. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, living and active. Your word, which alone shows us Christ, who is our life, who is the eternal word of God, who is the truth that sets us free. We pray that you would write your truth in our hearts this morning as we read and hear and think about Exodus 7. We pray that it would be alive to us, that we would understand it, and that we would receive your word by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 7. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers. And they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts, for each man cast down his staff, and they became ser serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. As he is going out to the water, stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him, and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the Nile, the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn to blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. 
in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. That's Exodus chapter 7 in the English Standard Version. And as always, we're using ESV.org for our on-screen text display. So God sends Moses to Pharaoh and he says something stunning to Moses in verse 1 of this chapter. He says, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Moses is being sent as the personal ambassador, emissary, apostle from God to Pharaoh. And so when he acts before Pharaoh, he acts with the full authority of God. So he is as God to Pharaoh because he is God's personal representative to Pharaoh. And then Aaron is the prophet. And a prophet is primarily a mouthpiece. We think of a prophet as someone who tells the future, like a fortune teller. <coughs> Excuse me. That's not the, the biblical understanding of a prophet, although they are given visions of the future at times. The primary role of a prophet is to be a mouthpiece. It's not primarily about foretelling. It's about forthtelling, telling forth the word of God. So Aaron is the one who's going to speak on behalf of Moses. Now, what's important is if Moses is going to represent God in this way, if Aaron is going to speak for Moses who represents God in this way, then it's important that verse 2, you shall speak all that I command you. And verse 6, Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. God wasn't telling Moses and Aaron, you guys can do whatever you want. Just go ahead and say whatever you want to say to Pharaoh. You know, ask him for whatever you wish and I'll bless it. No, they had to do exactly what God had commanded. They had to do uh, what God had told them to do. Uh, this should help us when we're representing the gospel to other people as ambassadors for Christ and also in our prayer lives. We have authority from God, the power of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And God saves people through the proclamation of his gospel. But it has to be his gospel, his word. We can't just make it up and say things that God hasn't said and think that that's going to somehow carry the weight and authority of God. We have to stick with the word of God, what God has spoken, what God has commanded. And in our prayer lives as well, we can ask God boldly for things if we know they're in accordance with his will. But it has to be things that God has revealed to be according to his will. So the role of an ambassador for Christ, of an emissary for Christ, our role in prayer is always to be under the authority of God's word. Notice that God is the one who hardens Pharaoh's heart. Verse 3, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. So later when we see Pharaoh's heart hardened, this is a judicial hardening. 
that God has brought upon Pharaoh. Now, you shouldn't feel sorry for Pharaoh and say, oh, well, if God hadn't hardened his heart, he would have let the people of Israel go. No, none of us has any goodness in our lives or any tenderness in our hearts, but that which is there by the grace of God. God hardens hearts when he removes his grace. If God takes his hand off of a person and gives them over to their own selfish desires, their heart becomes hardened. So it's true to also say that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. But it's also true to say that God hardened his heart because God removed his hand of protection, of grace, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And so why is God doing this? Well, he has many reasons. One is that it is it is the way in which his people are going to be truly released from Egypt. Released not just to travel three days in the wilderness and worship and come back to slavery, but truly released. And not only that, but, but given gifts of gold and silver so that they'll be enriched, they shall plunder the Egyptians. This is how God is going to bring that about. And the other reason that God states very clearly here, is that God is revealing himself to the Egyptians. God cares about the Egyptians too. Verse 5, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. This is so important that, that the Egyptians know that God, that the Lord is God. I don't think it's a coincidence that within a hundred years, of when we believe the exodus took place, Egypt begins to embrace a form of monotheism, what the worship of one God. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence that they all of a sudden realize that all these many, many gods they worship are, are really false, and then they start to turn toward the worship of one God. Of course, it, it's a false God that they turn to, but I think, it's, I think it's partly under the influence of what happened during the exodus. Verse 7 is kind of sobering to realize. Those of us who feel like we're getting old, I just turned 48 a couple days ago, and I think, oh, well, you know, I'm getting older. No, no. Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So God gives grace to do the work that he calls us to do for as long as he calls us to do it. So let's take a brief look at these two signs that God gives Moses and Aaron to do. Aaron's staff turns into a serpent. This is a sign of curse. This is a sign to Pharaoh of judgment. And now Pharaoh's own magicians are able to do this by their secret arts, presumably by demonic power. Satan works wonders that are imitative, but less than the power of God. And so they're able to turn their staffs into snakes, but Aaron's staff swallows up their staffs. Now that is a further sign of judgment. So the very turning of the staff into a serpent is a sign of judgment. And then Aaron's serpent swallowing the serpents of the magicians is a further sign of judgment. God is judging Egypt and God is superior in power to the Egyptians. Also, whenever we think of staff and serpent in this context, we should think of a foreshadowing of an important event that's going to come where uh, the people are going to be uh, attacked and bitten by snakes and they're going to be dying of the poison. But then uh, Moses is told, make a bronze serpent and put it on a staff and hold it up. And when the eyes of the people look to that bronze serpent, they will be saved from this judgment. So a symbol of judgment 
becomes a means of salvation from judgment when Moses makes the bronze serpent and puts it on the staff. Jesus, in John 3, tells Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up so that everyone who looks on him will be saved. The cross is a symbol of judgment. It was a way that, that, that the Roman authorities judged criminals, a symbol of judgment. And when Jesus hung on the cross, which was a judgment of Rome against him, it really became a source of blessing and life. So we can see these parallels of these themes of serpent and staff. And of course, serpent and staff goes all the way back to Genesis 3 when the serpent was cursed by God in Genesis 3.15 with that first promise of the gospel that, that he would be his head would be crushed by the seed of the woman even as he crushed his heel. And where did Satan crush the heel of Jesus but on the cross? It was the sign of judgment. But also that's where Jesus crushed the head of the serpent. So you can tie all these symbols together, the serpent and the staff and the judgment and the blessing. Judgment comes against Egypt. Blessing for Israel. Judgment comes against the people of God, but blessing when we look to Christ, who has taken the judgment away for us. The second sign is of the water of the Nile turning into blood. This is a, obviously a curse. Water becomes undrinkable. Blood is what the Bible says is where the life is. The life is in the blood. But of course, you can't drink blood. And so it becomes undrinkable. This is a curse sign. It is the opposite of a water transformation that Jesus did in John chapter 2 when he turned water into wine. Jesus turned water into wine as a sign of blessing, as a sign of life, as a sign of joy and, and uh, salvation coming. Jesus used wine as a picture of the kingdom. Wine is red, blood is red. The blood that the Nile is turned into is the curse. Jesus said of the cup that we drink at the Lord's Supper, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And here's the beauty of this. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath by pouring out his blood so that we can drink the cup of blessing, the wine of the Lord's Supper. So curse is turned to blessing again. In both of these, you have this idea that a, a thing that is a curse, a serpent, blood, right? On the cross, both of them are turned to blessings. As the head of the serpent is crushed, as Jesus fulfills the sign of Moses with the bronze serpent, all who look to him are saved and the serpent is crushed. And Jesus also turns blood into from a sign of curse to a sign of blessing as he sheds his blood on the cross in the cup of the new covenant that now becomes the wine of the kingdom that we drink in joyful blessing and celebration. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of gospel salvation in both of these curse signs that are given to the Egyptians. But in the end, the Egyptians reject Pharaoh's heart is hard. He doesn't take these first two signs to heart at all. And so seven full days pass. Seven full days, that's the completion of the work of God. 
seven days of creation. Seven is this number of, of the divine work. And so God is judging uh, the Egyptians. So we'll pick up with Genesis chapter 8 tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that Jesus has taken the curse for us. As it is written in your word, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And he was cursed for us. He poured out his blood. He was struck by the serpent so that we could be blessed. His blood becomes our forgiveness and cleansing and life. And as the serpent strikes him, he crushes the serpent to bring us freedom from condemnation and eternal life with you. We thank you for Jesus, who is the fulfillment of all of your promises, who is the one who turned curse into blessing by the power of his unquenchable life. We pray that we would trust in Jesus today and walk by faith in him. Father, thank you for your love for us. Be with us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, tomorrow we'll be back in Genesis, uh, Exodus, not Genesis, Exodus chapter 8 uh, for day number 89 of our three-year journey through God's word. Hope you can join us then. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.